Spirit of God, Spirit of God, Spirit of God. Lord, this is, this is such an important message, God. Holy Spirit, bring this message to life, God. Open our eyes to the unseen. Teach us your ways, God. Teach us, God. And fill us with your truth. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. amen. You guys know the purpose of this Bible study, and I've said it so many times, it is not more knowledge. We, it is not more knowledge. We have a church on every corner filled with knowledge. And, and the fact is, with, with churches on every corner, this nation has become a toilet, and it has. So we have churches on every corner. We have knowledge that does not lead to power. And so the whole reason, and I know I've said this so I'm blue in the face, but the whole purpose of this is to have truth with power. So the reason I want to talk about, we start, well, this is a series called Angels and Demons. And I want to talk about the world unseen. I want to talk about what we don't see. I want to talk about the reality of the spirit realm because we are living really one-dimensional lives. And we were never intended to live one-dimensional lives. We were intended to live, we are spirit beings. We are of this earth, but we are filled with the spirit of God. And we are supposed to be not just living this simple one-dimensional life. It is, it, it makes us uh, too ordinary. When we were created to be supernatural, we, we are created to interact with, with the spirit realm. So interestingly enough, angels, which of course what we're talking about today, are angels are among us, and they are truly among us. And, and angels are mentioned 273 times just in the Old Testament. So angels are mentioned a lot. So you guys know that the Old Testament is very focused on, my research told me, I didn't go through and count myself, but the research says that angels are mentioned more times than sin in the Old Testament. And, and the Old Testament is very sin-focused. It said that angels are mentioned more times than love in the New Testament, and the New Testament is very love-focused. What I'm trying to say is this is a really hot topic with God, but we hardly ever talk about it, we hardly think about it, we hardly ever acknowledge it. So I, I have, so with 273 scriptures, I, it was killing me to narrow it down. Dave is very much complaining about all the slides I have. I am going to try to really go through and give you in one sitting a really deep uh, understanding of this and how it interacts with us as much as I can. So we're going to try, I'm going to try to move fast. So angels, the, angels means messenger. That's what the name means. So it says, if you honor the Lord, his angels will protect you. I mean, this is just a, a flat out promise. If you honor the Lord, God's going to send his angels to protect you. That's a pretty powerful gift, something we never even think about. Um, I want to talk about some characteristics of angels. It's really interesting. I find this scripture really interesting. Regarding the angels, he says, he sends his angels like the winds, his servants like flames of fire. The spirit realm is temperature set sensitive. When the Holy Spirit is moving, you're hot. It is, when, when the Holy Spirit came upon people, which we're going to get to that in a couple other teachings, there was flames of fire. When you see angels, it's always related to fire. When you deal with the demonic, which we're going to talk about next week, it's cold. 
Have you, has your blood ever run cold when you have sensed evil? It's a real thing. There's cold. There's a temperature thing. And it's funny when I first, because I didn't really, I wasn't involved in the spirit realm until I was in my late 30s. And I started being like, when the Holy Spirit would come over me, I'd be so hot. I'd just be dripping in heat and sweat. And I, and I don't even sweat. I sit in my sauna right now. Literally, I put it up to 200 degrees and I barely sweat. I'm not a sweater. And the Holy Spirit would come on me. I'd be so hot. And then I would be dealing with something and it would be evil and I would feel so cold. And I, I was like, what is this? And I thought, think about it. Demons know they're going to burn in hell forever. They hate the heat. And God is heat. So anyway, that's just a fun fact. That's not even really all that. But I just think it's interesting. You're going to see that angels are constantly mentioned with fire and heat. I just think that's kind of cool. And it's also something, maybe someday you're going to be like, wow, I feel the heat of God. Or, wow, I, my blood runs cold. I realize this is evil. Okay, so angels are constantly going in between the throne room of God and the earth. And we have Jacob's ladder. You guys have heard of Jacob's ladder. He has a vision. And in this vision, he sees the angels are going to earth and back up to God. And at the top of the stairway, it was actually a stairway, not a ladder, but at the top was God. And they're constantly interceding between the earth and God. And this is interesting. He says at the end here, when he woke up, he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't aware of it. That's what we deal so much. We're not aware of the angels among us. He says, he, he says, how awesome is this place? And he felt fear. You, if you know you are really interacting with an angel, because no matter how holy you are, if you are really dealing with a real angel that's in its full form, you're terrified. The most holy of people were terrified. So he said, I, he was afraid. How awesome is this place? No other house. This is the gate of heaven. Pretty powerful. We live in that, and we're not aware of it day in and day out. They are among us. The angels are among us right now in this room. I always think, I, I do this talk about every three or four years, and I always think, I bet they feel excited because they really get overlooked. I mean, I feel like they're in here going, thank you for, you know, like a shout out. We do so much for you guys. Anyway, um, so angels are innumerable. They are fixed. God created a certain number of angels before the world was created. They do not procreate and they do not die. They are eternal. Our souls and spirits are eternal. Um, but they don't, they are just, there was a number and it's never going to change. There are different people who God has given them the opportunity to see the throne room and the angels. And they don't even know how to describe the innumerable number of angels. But here are a few. Daniel who had uh, the most interaction with angels that we know of, he says, so he's looking at the throne room, he says, a river of fire is pouring out, heat, flowing from his presence, millions of angels ministered to him, many millions stood to attend him. Hebrews, it says, you've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. And then in Psalms, it says, the chariots of God are tens of thousands and thousands of thousands. They're saying, we don't have a number for this. The angels are innumerable and majestic and magnificent. And you guys are going to see, get a glimpse of who they are today. And it is exciting. What, what amazes me is that they are, the way I picture it in my mind, um, and I don't, you know, I, I haven't had the opportunity to see this, but the way I picture it in heaven 
because it says that they are constantly watching us and that it is a theater. They call it the theater of heaven. In my mind, the way I view it is like a reverse theater where there's like a big hole they're looking down and rings and thousands and thousands and thousands and millions and millions just watching. And it says that they watch. Um, here it says, it is also wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching to see what happens. They're excited to see what happens on earth. They are watching over us. They're watching God's plan unfold. It says, I command you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus that, uh, that, and the highest angels to obey these instructions. He commands us in the presence of angels to follow his instruction. He's saying angels are watching. I command you in their presence. You guys might know the scripture and it says, if you deny me on earth, I will deny you in heaven in front of the angels. If you acknowledge me on the earth, I will acknowledge you in heaven in front of the angels. There is this interaction, interplay between the angelic and the human. And we're very unaware, not that we're supposed to be unaware. He mentioned it 273 times just in the Old Testament. But we're not thinking about it for some reason. We've, we've missed out on the spirit realm. The Bible tells us that things happen in the spirit realm before they happen on earth. And I'm going to show you that. We need to be aware of this. And we need to be involved with it. Angels are not just passively watching, but they are emotionally engaged with us. Do you think, so often we think of God and angels as just these flat line, like, no emo, like drones almost. They are emotional about us, about what's happening around us. Um, it, when he created the earth, it says the angels shouted for joy. It says when a one sinner repents, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels. They're cheering. They're cheering for us. By the way, is that not the opposite? So often we think God's up there waiting to pound. The angels are waiting up there to cheer for getting it right for changing direction, for honoring God with our lives. They're just like, we're just, we're cheering you guys on. We're involved with this. God has a title for himself. He uses it 300 times in just the Old Testament. And it is Lord God Almighty of heaven's armies. Lord of heaven's armies. The angels are a military structure in the spirit realm. They are, they are military, as far as we know, men. Um, we don't know. There might be women. We don't know. But what we know of is, is men. Um, but they are mili they're a military army. And God is the commander. It says, praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans. Listen to each of his commands. Praise the Lord, you armies of angels who serve him and do his will. He sends them out to get his will accomplished, and it's a fight. We understand it's a fight on earth to get his will accomplished. Well, it's a fight in the spirit realm to get his will accomplished. This is a battle, and there's a spiritual battle happening all around us, and God is orchestrating it through angel armies. So we know two, we know just a couple categories of angels. And, and all of this, right now I'm just giving you facts. This is all going to apply to your lives, and all of it actually applies to your lives. But um, the first one we know is cherubim. Tell the truth, when you think of a cherub, 
do you not think of a chubby cheek, naked butt, baby angel? Is that not what you think? Like this right here, Sherry gave me this beautiful piece. Look at those naked baby butts up there with the wings. Is that not what we think of? And I think, to me, there's something tragic, honestly, about how we've made Satan with a pitchfork and angels with naked butts and fat cheeks and little wings. Because I think it's the dumbing down of the power of the spirit realm. And I think it's dangerous. I want to read to you what cherubims are actually like after sending them out. So the first time we see a cherubim is in the Garden of Eden. And when Adam and Eve are kicked out, the cherubim, he puts the cherubim, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden and, the pla and placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way of the tree of life. The cherubim have flaming swords they are not to be messed with. It's interesting, the next time we see a cherubim is in Exodus, and it's Exodus uh, 25, and it's in, at the mercy seat. So the tabernacle is built, and the point of the tabernacle is since the Garden of Eden, there's been no place for man to come into the presence of God, no holy place for them to come. And so he builds a tabernacle. And inside the tabernacle is the mercy seat, which is the holy of the holiest, the center of the only, only the holy priest could go in. And if you didn't go in in the right way, you were struck dead. It's no joke. And what is over the mercy seat? 15 foot tall gold cherubims. So it's interesting, and this is God's redemption story, and every, everything about the Bible is about redemption. He's not fooling around with sin, but man, he's like waiting to rejoice over repentance because the cherubim were once used to keep man from the power of God, the presence of God, the garden, the fellowship, and now they are used to bring man into fellowship. Isn't that beautiful that he used the same angel to keep out as to draw back in? That's just how God is. Like, God's just amazing. So cherubims are not, the little cherubs are not what we think they are. Um, the next angel that we are aware of in scripture, the category, it's a class, it's a category. The next one is the seraphim. You guys, I promise you, you are not going to recognize when you think of an angel, I don't think you're going to recognize. There's two descriptions. And what they do, their main job is to worship in the presence of God. So here it is. It was the year of King Uzziah that died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting, so he's seeing God on the throne up in heaven. And I love this part. And the train of his robe filled the temple. He's sitting up in heaven, but his train goes all the way from heaven down to the temple where we, back then, would commune with God. He was present in the temple from heaven to earth. He was connected. But anyway... So the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were many seraphim, mighty seraphim, sorry, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. They were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's army. The whole earth is filled with his glories. Their voices shook the temple to its foundation. And the entire building was filled with smoke. Their worship shook the temple to the foundation. They are mighty warriors. 
These things are not what you envision. Okay, next one. This is, amazing. This is Revelations. In front of the throne, here we are at the throne of God again. There was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures. These are the angels. And they were covered with eyes. They're covered with eyes. Their whole body is covered with eyes. In front and back, the first living creature was like a lion, the second an ox, the third had a face like a man, the fourth like an eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So those are the two categories that were given. Then we've been given three names, only three names. Um, there is Gabriel, Archangel Michael, and Lucifer. Those are the three names we have. Gabriel, he, his assignment is to bring very important messages. Um, and it's fascinating. He, he delivers messages from heaven to earth. God sends him with messages. He gives major revelation. We're going to talk about Daniel here because Daniel had quite a bit of interaction with Gabriel. And I want to tell you something. It's Daniel 8, chapter 8, Daniel chapter 9, and Daniel chapter 10. So you might think that he had these visions, bada boom, bada bing, bada boom. He didn't. These are each years apart because at the top of each chapter, it says this is in the year of king, blah, blah, blah. And each one was a different king many years apart. So just so you know, these, these three occurrences have, are spaced with many years in between, but God gave him incredible revelation about things to come. So the first time it says, and, and these are so good, this is Daniel 8. It says, as I, Daniel, was trying to understand the meaning of this vision. So God had given him a vision and he didn't understand it. And he knew it was from God, but he didn't have the interpretation. So he said, as I was trying to understand the meaning of this vision, someone looked like a man stood in front of me. And I heard a human voice calling out from the river, Gabriel, tell this man the meaning of his vision. As Gabriel approached the place where I was standing, I became so terrified that I fell with my face to the ground. And you will see every single time, this is the reaction, every single time. People who act like they have casual interactions with angels in their full form, they're not interacting with an angel. We're going to get to that. But anyway, Gabriel approached the place where I was standing. I became so terrified that I fell to my face to the ground. Now, of course, this is in his, well, we're going to get there. I'm jumping ahead. Son of man, he said, you must understand that the events you've seen in your vision relate to the time of the end. While he was speaking, I fainted. And I lay there with my face to the ground. Listen, Daniel's one of the most holy men in all of Scripture. And this is his reaction to this angel. But Gabriel roused me with a touch and helped me to my feet. He is on his face. He fainted in the power of the angel. Then he said, I'm here to tell you what will happen later in the time of wrath. What you've seen pertains to the very end of time. So God sent him with an interpretation for the vision that he had been given. So that's Gabriel. That's Gabriel right there, bringing a message. Then we have another time with Gabriel, chapter 9, many years later. He had another vision, and he doesn't understand it again. So it said, I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, which repentance is so important. I'm, you're going to see over and over again, prayer 
devout, fervent prayer, God responds to that by sending angels many times. The power of prayer. Pleading with the Lord my God for Jerusalem, which is what we should be doing for America. His holy mountain. As I was praying, Gabriel, whom I had seen in the earlier vision, came swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice. He came quickly as he was praying. He starts praying fervently, interceding for his nation, confessing sins of the nation, and, and instantly Gabriel's in his presence. He explained to me, Daniel, I've come here to give you insight and understanding. The moment you begin what? Praying. A command, because these angels are, are army angels sent on command. They are warriors and they do as they're told. A command was given. And now I'm here to tell you what it was for your very precious to God. Can you imagine having an angel like that? Say so you're very precious to God. I just can't even imagine. You're very precious to God. Listen carefully so you can understand the meaning of your vision. So you've got this, Gabriel gives messages. We see Gabriel also in the New Testament. Um, first, he appears to Zechariah. Zechariah is John the Baptist's father. Zechariah and Elizabeth, his wife, had not been able to have children, and she was completely infertile, and there was no hope of her ever having children. They had completely given up. And all of a sudden, Zechariah is serving in the temple, and an angel appears, and it's Gabriel. And he says, you're going to have the baby, name him John. It's John the Baptist, the forerunner, Jesus' cousin. And Zechariah makes a mistake. He's like, how can I know this is true? Gabriel takes offense. He says, the angel said, I am Gabriel. Like, <laughs> hello, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I was just in front of God. Now I'm in front of you. You're doubting what I'm saying? I was just in the presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. Like, why aren't you rejoicing? Why are you doubting? But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. You know, we talked about faith last week. God, God and his angels do not appreciate a lack of faith. So he didn't speak, but they had the baby. And John the Baptist, of course, we all know who John the Baptist was. Well, six months later, after this happens, now Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist. Six months later, Gabriel comes to Mary. And he tells Mary, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. You're going to have a ch the child of God. Gabriel brings these extraordinary and powerful messages to people, what we need to know to fulfill God's purposes in the most amazing way. So Gabriel is a message bearer. Then we have the archangel Michael. We only know of one archangel. There is speculation, and it's speculation. So it's speculated that Lucifer was also an archangel. We, we will talk about him next week when we deal with demons. But, um, but as far as we know, he is the only archangel. And archangel means chief angel. He is the fiercest warrior outside of God that there is. This archangel is so fierce. Every single time we see him, he is engaged in extreme spiritual battles. Um, He's, he fights Satan. 
His number one job is to fight evil, fight Satan. Um, and so what we're going to see here, the next one is really interesting. It shows you how Gabriel and Michael work together. And listen, you guys, I'm going to get to how this is relevant for us. It is, I promise you. But to understand, so these angels each have a function and they work together like any army does. You stay in your lane. God calls us a body of Christ. We each have a body part. God is organized and structured. And so here we get to witness a glimpse into how Gabriel and Michael work together. Okay, so this is incredible. So this time, Daniel got a vision, and it was silent for 21 days. The first two times, the angels came right away. This time, for 21 days, he hears nothing. He starts fasting. He starts interceding. He's distressed. And, and he, so he's, he's walking along the river, and all of a sudden, he's outside with a bunch of other men, and he, see, he looks up, and he saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning and his eyes like flames of torches, heat again, fire. His arms and feet shone like polished brawn and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Only I, Daniel, saw this. The men with me saw nothing because they didn't have spiritual eyes to see. But they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. They didn't know why they were terrified, but they just ran. So I was left there alone to see this amazing vision. Again, my strength left me. My face grew deathly pale. I felt very weak. Then I heard the man speak. And when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground. Again, he faints again. Look at the power of this. Just then the hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling to my hands and knees. He's now on his all fours. In front of this angel, the man said to me, Daniel, you're precious to God. Here he says it again. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up for I've been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up still trembling. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray. See, last time he said, since the first day you began to what pray, the angel was sent. Every time it's through prayer. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself, last time what he was praying and he was confessing his sins. This time he's praying and humbling himself. God responds to prayer and humility. You, this, the moment you started to pray and humble yourself before God, your request was heard in heaven. I have come to answer your prayer, but for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me. And I left Michael back there with the, with the spirit prince of Persia. Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future for this vision concerns times yet to come. This is an extraordinary dynamic. Gabriel is not designed to fight. There are spirits over regions. There are demonic spirits over regions. We see here that there's a demonic spirit over Persia and it does not want this God message from heaven to earth to man to get to Daniel. And for almost a month, Gabriel is trying to fight a demonic prince over an entire region. We have demonic 
princes of evil over America. When we go to pray and humble ourselves, believe me, there is a fight to get that prayer answered. And when there's a delay, listen, don't think God's not at work. Look at this. He has to call on Michael, who is the fiercest of all angels. And Michael comes rushing down to help him. And he just left. He left Michael to it. He's like, I'm just leaving Michael to fight this, this demon, this fierce demon, while I can go ahead and, and deliver this message. First of all, do you, don't ever estimate how important it is for us to understand the Word of God. This was the, they didn't have a Bible back then. This was the way God was getting His Word to them. Believe me, demons block our ability to try to understand the Word. But I want you to understand how the angels fight to get to us and fight evil for us. Um, it, this is more fascinating. So we know that Archangel Michael, he is assigned to Israel. So we have demons assigned to regions, and we have angels assigned to regions. We have angels assigned to people. We're going to get there, but right now we're talking about regions. So Archangel Michael is assigned to Israel. Here we go. He, and again, this is Gabriel, he replied, do you know why I've come? This is the next chapter. Do you know why I've come? Soon I must return to fight against the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. He's like, I left Archangel Michael back there. I got to go back and help him fight. So I don't have much time with you. I, there's a war going on. There is a spirit realm war going on over you, over you understanding the truth. So he says, I left him back there. And after... We deal with the prince of Persia. Then we have to go deal with the kingdom of Greece, the, the, the demonic spirit over Greece. This is fascinating. It says, meanwhile, I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one helps me against the spirit prince except Michael, your spirit prince. The angel assigned to you. It's amazing. The angel assigned to Israel. The angel assigned. This is, fun. I mean, really Really, have you ever thought about this? It's, it's powerful. And believe me, we have angels assigned to America. But let's look at this one. Daniel 12.1. At that time, Michael the archangel who stands guard over your nation. Look at this. Archangel who stands over your nation. By the way, at that point, their nation was in captivity. They might have been like, do you, God, are you doing anything? Yeah, he had an archangel assigned over. Why were they in cap captivity? Because they had lived very sinful lives, and God was, there was judgment on them. But he didn't remove his angel. He didn't remove, he said, you can go this far, but no further. Then there will be a time of anguish greater than any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, I love this, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. You will see that angels bring judgment, but they also protect the righteous. And this is a powerful juxtaposition that we see constantly that there is a, a, um, a protection and a judgment at the same time by these fierce warriors that are involved with our lives. They are involved with our purpose and God fulfilling his purpose. So... We get another vision of Archangel Michael, and he's fighting Satan. And this one's wild. He's fighting Satan over Moses' body. Moses was buried by God. The scripture tells us that Moses was buried by God. 
there's, there's this wild thing. And this is in the Amplified version. You guys know, I say this all the time, but anytime we have new people, Amplified, it adds context. So it's different because it adds context, but it helps you understand. Nevertheless, in the same way, these dreamers who are dreaming that God will not punish them defile the body and reject legitimate authority. So, it's, so this is talking about God's judgment. When we reject legitimate authority and mock angelic majesties, there is a judgment on us when we mock angels, when we don't believe in them, when we doubt but even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil and arguing about the body of Moses, did not dare bring an abusive condemnation against him, but simply said, the Lord rebuke you. But it says, these men sneer at anything which they don't understand. And whatever they don't know, by instinct, like unreasoning and irrational beasts, they are destroyed. There's a warning here. There's some warnings about angels. The first one is, don't be a doubter. Don't be a doubter. It says that when we, when we sneer at these things, when, we're, when we lack faith, when we, it says it brings destruction. Look at that. It brings destruction. You can't, this is real stuff. This is serious stuff. We show respect and, we, and we're aware of it. And there, so there's some things about angels that can lead us into sin which we don't think about. One is this, like I'm saying, not, not being respectful, not believing, not you know, being a doubter. Have you ever thought about the fact that we know when, when Satan tried to tempt Jesus, he had three chances to try to tempt Jesus. One of them involved angelic protection. I mean, if you only have three chances, remember he said, if you, you know, God says he'll send his angels to protect you, so throw yourself down, because you, know you know from this temple, the angels will protect you. And it's hard to believe, like, that would be a temptation. That would be an ultimate temptation. You only have, Satan is very intelligent. You know, he, he was like, okay, I've got three shots. This is one of my best three. There, is, there are some traps when it comes to angels. There is the one trap, which is not being aware, not being engaged, and being, you know, ignorant of it or sneering at it. There's another trap, which is, not, is understanding that there's a hedge of protection around us by angels and abusing that protection because that would have been a sin apparently, right? If he would have abused it. There's another trap that is worshiping angels. So John is Jesus's very best friend. And John is the only disciple who doesn't get martyred. And at the end of his life, God gives him, blesses him on the Isle of Patmos with the book of Revelation, which is the ultimate you know, you see the fierce battles that happen just to get the prophetic words to Daniel. Well, to get it to John, you can imagine. So it says, um, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place, he made it known by sending an angel to his servant John. And here is Jesus' best friend, but he even he doesn't quite get this right. He says... I, John, am the one who heard and saw all these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the foot of the angel, at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said, no, don't worship me. I'm a servant of God, just like you and your brothers and the prophets, as well as all who obey what is written in this book. Worship only God. Every single time angels appear, people want to worship them. 
And every single time they said, do not worship me. I'm serving God just like you're serving God. I'm just serving God in my lane like you're serving God in your lane. So, so don't worship me. So worship of angels is another place where the enemy tries to get us into things. There's one more thing, and, and these are just warnings because, again, the devil's always in the ditches. And one of the ditches is getting inappropriately obsessed. And here you see in Colossians 2.18, through 19, so worship is one, but it says, let no one defraud you of your prize, your freedom in Christ and your salvation by insisting on mock humility, which there's a spirit of religion that makes people very fake humble. Um, and so he's like, don't get involved with that. But then the number two thing is the worship of angels. And then it says they go into great detail about their visions. And they claim they have seen things to justify their authority, but they're puffed up by unspiritual minds. They are not connected to Christ. Let me tell you something. You go on YouTube and you look up angel things, there's a lot of weird stuff out there. People claiming they see, and I've been in churches and I was horrified. I've been, I was going to a church that I really liked. I was newer at it. And I went in and this guy explained these visions that he supposedly had of angels. And it was so far off. It was so irreverent. I was horrified. I bought his book. I took it home. And I mean, literally, like, they're, anyway, I'm not even going to go into it. But I was like, that's this. People who say they see angels every five seconds, that's not real. That does not happen in the Bible. It does not happen. People who are, like, seeing angels every single where they go, there's no context for that in the Bible. You can't conjure up or summons an angel. They can only be sent because we are in prayer and God says, I send that. But what you can conjure up and you conjure up very easily are demons. And the Bible says they are, they are disguised as angels of light. So you think you're interacting with an angel. You are acting with, interacting with a demon. If you have called it up, I promise you, that's not an angel. They don't come at our summoning. They come because God is, he has a battle plan up in heaven and he says, get down there. So if you are, if you are having, if you are having, and then it says, people say they see all this angel stuff because they really are trying to control, they're trying to give themselves an authority to get you to do. And listen, very easily they're deceived. Very easily they are just thinking that they, uh, see these angels. It's really a demon. See, the thing is, angels have their own body. Demons, something happened in the fall. And we're going to talk about this later, but something happened in the fall. They cannot interact on earth without, they do not have a body to walk among us the way angels do. They need a person. We know this from when Jesus cast them out of the man and they said, please just send us into the pigs. They need a body. They need a mammal, basically. And, and angels do not. So demons are looking for a, way, a point of entry. And they're looking for this false thing that they can display and fake you out. And, and then they have access to your soul. And let me tell you, it'll eat you up. Because you think you're interacting with an angel of light and you are actually interacting with a demon. They deceive you. That's what they do. They're liars. It's very dangerous. Um, you know, that just be very cautious because we can become too 
angel-focused to demon-focused. We're not supposed to live there. We're supposed to be God-focused. But we're also supposed to be aware. We are also not supposed to have our head in the sand. I think we've gotten in the opposite ditch in most churches where we're not, we're not aware of this interacting with it or having it. It is a part of our life. It is, the kingdom of God is. So we're going to talk about it more. But, you know, we know that um, angels can walk among us in normal physical form and we don't know it. It says, don't show hostility to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality. Oh, I'm sorry, show hospitality to strangers. They have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. So when angels, since they can take a human form, when they take a human form, they can be right in our presence and we don't know it. My dad had a really cool experience December of 2015. He had just finished a book that he had been working on for years. And my dad takes walks all the time. He's a great exerciser. And so he just finished the book and he went out for a walk. And he walks the same neighborhood, the same path every single day, walking the same neighborhood, the same path. He walks every single day. And as he's walking, this man he's never, never seen before or since. This was December of 2015, so it was a long time ago. This man sees him and he says, he had just finished the book like five minutes ago. He'd worked on it for years. The angel says to him, Great job, Paul, and keeps walking. And Dave, I, my dad, my dad just was like, he knew his name, he knew what he had just done, he knew that he had, and and you know, my dad has had a tough time getting people to read the books. I, but but you know what? What we do for God, we do for God. The rest is up to God, right? So, but the angel let him know. I mean, that had to be an angel. He's never seen this man before. He used his name. He had one little sentence, and that fills your heart forever. Every year I send him a text. I have it on my calendar because it's the most amazing thing. You know, and I've had angel experiences, and I think probably a lot of us have had occasional amazing encounters that you're just like, I think that just happened. Like, you know, it's not an angel in the form of its majesty because then we, we would have no doubt. We'd be flat on our faces, passed out, right? But it's in the form of the human that we can take. And, it, and you're just like, that was God. He sent a messenger just for me to say, great job. Paul, they know my name. They know how I worked. They know how I struggled. So angels are sent to help us. And they're sent to protect us. I love this scripture. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Encamps is a continual present tense. Not encamped, encamps, always. Now, there's a qualifier. It's not around everybody. And if you saw the first one that I, that I did when I first started today, it says that the angel protects those who obey him. This says the angel encamps around those who fear him. So angels are a sent for believers. They're sent for us. Us who have given our lives to Christ. And, and they are assigned to us. Um, here it says, are not all the angels ministering spirits sent out by God to serve, accompany, protect those who will inherit salvation? Of course they are. They're here. They're helping us. Listen, we are in dark times. 
We are in times that if you watch the news for five seconds, you, it feels like it's hopeless. If you care, if you have a moral compass, if you, if you have given your life to God and you see the evil that's happening, your soul is distressed. And I want to remind us that we have supernatural help and protection. You know, I love this. Um, we all have a guardian angel. We all know this. Beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly father. You know, we just, we, I just announced that we, we have a brand new grandbaby in our midst, little Maven. She has a guardian angel. She's a couple days old. There's an angel looking out for her. And these angels walk with us through our whole lives because we also all know, I mean, everybody knows this, angels escort you. If you're going to heaven, they escort you to heaven. If you're going to hell, you have demons that escort you to hell. It's an awful thing. We're going to talk about all that stuff later, not today. But, but the fact is, these angels are assigned to you. And they're, they're, they are assigned to you until you are of age to choose. At some point, you choose, God or not. But they are assigned to you in your, it, when you're young, to look over you. And I love that. I love that they, they walk with us all of our days. Speaking of babies, as a mother, as anybody who loves anybody, we know that when you love somebody, the second you have that kind of love, whether it's your husband, your child, your parents, your friends, or whatever, but your heart is now outside your chest, right? And the hardest part is, I mean, Talk about guardian angels. My daughter just started driving the last couple of months. And I tell you what, I know that, I mean, I, I literally have never almost died so many times in my life. And, and she's not even like that bad of a driver, but it's horrifying when you're her mother. But, you know, you, you send your kids out into the world. They're covered. They are covered. And listen, when they're minors and you're a praying mama, even if they're not walking with God yet, trust me, your prayers, we're going to get to that. Your prayers send angelic covering. It is so real. And, and, and we see, you know, we love that, that, that um, Gabriel did these birth announcements. I think Gabriel loves babies. He loves to do the birth announcements. We have another birth announcement, and it's Samson. And, and it was, again, a, a, a couple who couldn't have babies. And an angel comes and he says, you're going to have a baby. Well, then Samson's father is like, and, they, and a prophetic word was spoken over Samson, that, like, that he's going to be this, that, whatever. And the father's like, how do I raise this kid? Like, I'm freaking out. The angel shows back up and tells him how to raise him. You know what? Angels guide us. We are asking for wisdom. Angels guide us. Um, you know, and when it comes to our children, God will send angels to help you. Angels are matchmakers. Have you ever thought that angels are matchmakers? They absolutely are matchmakers. You have um, Abraham. He's sending his servant to go get a son for his, I, I get a wife for his son Isaac. Do you know what he says to his servant? He will send, God will send his angel ahead of you and he will see to it that you find the wife there for my son. Now, his servant never saw the angel, but it was the angel who made sure that Isaac and Rebekah got together. Angels 
make love matches. And by the way, for me, when I think about this world and I think about someday handing my daughter at the aisle to some man, it makes my heart stop in my chest, really. And it's the scariest thing in the world to me if I let it be. And then I think about this. I say, oh no, I am a praying mama. An angel will go before of my daughter and make sure, I believe the angels will protect her from the wrong people. I believe the angels will guide her to the right people because of prayer, because of the power of prayer. They care about our love matches. That's amazing. They also are involved with our marriages. Think about this. Mary and Joseph, so back then when you were engaged, they called it married. And when you, it says that Joseph was going to divorce Mary because she was pregnant and he didn't, there was no explanation for that. So he was going to divorce her. The angel got involved. I, I promise you angels have kept my marriage together. <laughs> no question. I think I have the angels with six wings because I think they've had to cover their eyes a lot, but they have <laughs> probably their ears. But I mean, angels, angels kept that couple together. Angels did. And, and my husband would tell you, God has spoken things to him many times. I was, I, I, you know, and, and I think you guys know our story. Um, in 2012, we were remarried. And ever since then, this has been a very blessed marriage. But it was a very difficult marriage before that. And there was a turning point. And I couldn't get through to him. And there was nothing I could say. There's nothing I could do. God did it miraculously. And he had dreams, he had visions several times. God dealt with that man. God gets involved with marriages and he sends angels to do it. Believe me, don't worry about it. Just walk with God. He'll send his angels to deal with the marriage. What about domestic disputes? Can you think of a time an angel got involved with a domestic dispute in the Bible? I'll tell you, Sarah and Hagar. Sarah's abusing her, she runs away. This is a domestic dispute of a very dysfunctional family. But she runs away. What happens? An angel shows up, brings harmony back to the, the family. Also, God provides when Hagar is then kicked out later. She has no provision. She has no food. She has no way to support herself. She's left with a son. She's been abandoned. You don't think angels show up for abandoned women? She was a slave. She was nothing. An angel showed up. And this angel showed up in the human form. She knew it was an angel, but it was human form. So it was, it, angels guide us. Angels are involved with our personal relationships. Angels bring love to our life and protect us from the wrong things and guide us to the right things, help to mend broken fractions of families. God sends angels to do these things. And angels guide our path. Moses had to be guided by what? An angel. It says, see, God's saying to Moses, see, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way to bring you to the place I have prepared. My angel will take you to the place you need to end up. How much do we fret about how we're going to get where we need to go and how's it going to happen? And how's it going to work out? God will send you his angel to guide you. Now, there's no recognition that Moses saw that angel. Moses saw God a lot, but he didn't see the angel. But, but nevertheless, it was an angel guiding him. Moses. We know that God sent angels to Joseph, Jesus' father, constantly saying, move here, move there, do this, do that, to keep Jesus 
and Joseph's wife, Mary, safe. He sent angels to keep them safe. We're so scared about safety. Do you believe that God will send an angel to keep you safe? Cornelius. Cornelius is a fascinating story. Cornelius is a Gentile. Gentiles are the scum of the earth to the Jews. And yet, God came to Cornelius in a dream. And this, I wanted to read this again because I just want to show you over and over again. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. His whole household honored God. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly. Do you see the correlation constantly? One afternoon around 3 o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel coming towards him. Cornelius, the angel says. Again, he's terrified. That's the normal response. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, your prayers and your gifts to the poor, your obedience, have been received by God as an offering. Now send someone to Joppa to summon Simon Peter. And then he gives him basically the address. That's the address for back then. He gives him the address of where Peter is. They don't, Peter doesn't know Cornelius. Cornelius doesn't know Peter. This changed the course of Christian history. There was never a Gentile before who was saved. It was God sent an angel because a man prayed and it changed. Gentiles became Christians. And of course, we ended up following God more than the Jewish people. I mean, how amazing is that? But it's because a man prayed. Here's the other thing. Angels show up in crisis. Nobody wants the crisis that requires an angel, right? I mean, we don't want the crisis that leads us to the miracle. But most of us find ourselves there. You know, I mean, and, and it'd be sadistic to long for the crisis, but I want to tell you, don't be afraid of it. Because God sends his angels in the crisis. We're not called to serve God in this one-dimensional plane. We're not called to see God in this one dimension. We are called to see God through the power of the supernatural. And the problem is we're not seeing the supernatural, so we're scared to death of the crisis. We are so scared of the crisis. Listen, God will send his holy angels if we have the eyes to see. So here are some examples. It's the same. See, here's the thing. I want, I, these are familiar stories. We heard them as children. I hate, you know, the, the scripture says that familiarity breeds contempt. I hate that because we've heard them so much that we've stopped believing that we just think that's then. No, it's the same God now. He's still writing his book up in heaven. It is, there's still this power here and he's still helping us in crisis. So we've got, of course, we've got Gideon that we talked about last week where an angel showed up. Then... So we, all, we talked about that last week. I'm not going to go into it again. We've got Daniel in the lion's den. And it says, God sent an angel to shut the lion's mouth because I have been found innocent in God's sight. This is a crazy, the next verse I'm going to show you. Angels are involved with protecting our lives, saving our lives, and even healing. And this is a really amazing scripture. Job 33, 22 through 25. It, it says they are a death door, meaning a person, is a death door. The angel of death waits for them. But if an angel from heaven appears, a special me messenger, to intercede for a person and declare that he is upright. So, okay, wait, someone's about to die. There's an angel of death, but the angel from heaven says, hey, this person is upright. 
He starts to intercede. The angel begins to intercede for us. It says, he will be gracious and say, rescue him from the grave, for I have found a, re a ransom for his life. Then his body will become as healthy as a child, firm and youthful again. This is amazing. You're sick, you're dying, an angel from heaven intercedes for you. He says, this person is upright and righteous. They should not die. I intercede before God. They're healed and their life is spared. It, it, this is an amazing dynamic. Listen, these angels are a part of our story. We need to recognize it. And if, we're, if we recognize it, we will feel comforted. You know, you've got, the, you've got the, the prophet Elijah who goes into a terrible depression. And so often we think a terrible depression means spiritual weakness. Well, I got news for you. Basically, everybody in scripture at some point or another has a crisis of depression. So he is in a terrible depression. What happens? God sends an angel. The angel cooks breakfast for him, puts him to sleep. Cooks breakfast for him, puts him to sleep. Cooks for him and puts him to sleep several times in a row until he's finally strong enough to go on. God will send an angel in your depression to meet you. We've got the prophet Elisha. You guys know this story where the king sent this army to, to kill him. And Elisha wakes up. It's just Elisha and his servant. And the servant is scared to death. And he says, we're doomed because he woke up and they lived on a hill. And he looks down and as far as the eye could see, there were armies everywhere. And Elisha's like, What's your problem? There's more who are with us than with you, with them. And he's like, what's your problem? It's just the two of us against them. And then God opens his eyes and it says, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of what? Fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down towards him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike the army with blindness. So they struck him with blindness and they... I mean, God shows up in crisis. We have to look at things differently. We have to see, we have to ask God to help us to see in the spirit realm. Because if you see in the spirit realm, you have a level of fearlessness and boldness. If you're living a one dimensional on a one dimensional plane, you're not looking in the spirit realm and you're scared and you're fearful. If you see in the spirit realm, we have to see things differently. You know, we have Peter. He was just... He was just, um, just like the, a couple days before, Apostle James was killed. Now Peter's in jail. He's about to be killed by the same king. And what happens? Here you see it in Acts 12. An angel shows up, wakes him up, takes it, get, gets his shoes on, gets his, like, like a little kid, shoes, socks, coat, follow me, holds his hand, gets him through, gets all the way out through the gates. All the gates just open, and then he realizes I've been saved by an angel. And what that king intended to do to me, he can't do because God sent an angel. See, evil will have intentions for us. But if we walk with God in the power of the supernatural, they cannot be fulfilled. Angels are sent to, to, to also bring judgment and punish evil. Which, by the way, if you're righteous, that's a gift. If you're not righteous, that's scary. And what's interesting is angels will often do it simultaneously. Here we have the story of Lot, and it's long, so I'm not going to read it, but it's in Genesis 19, and I have portions of it. They're coming to Sodom and Gomorrah to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot's not great. Lot's not a great man of God. 
but he has an uncle who prays. The power of his uncle's prayers protected, sent angels of God to protect him. Abraham's prayers protected Lot. And so the angels say, we're coming here to destroy this place. This place is awful. It's evil. Well, Lot says, come stay with me. So he brings these two angels into his home. The men of the town start beating down the door. They said, let us get to these angels. They didn't know they were angels. They just thought they were men. Let us have these men. We want to rape them. This, by the way, is what happens when sexual perversion goes unchecked. In our nation, the perversion has grown worse and worse and worse. And don't think that we've come to the end of how bad it can get. That's why we've got to rise up in the power of the Spirit. This is why we have to come against it. This is why we have to be people of the spirit realm and not be one-dimensional, flatline Christians. This is why we're talking about angels, because this is how bad it gets. So they said, they said let us rape these men. And they start beating down the doors. And the angels reach out, grab Lot, pull him back in, slam the door. Again, make them all go blind. And then the next morning, Lot really doesn't want to leave. And the angels are like, God has told us we can't destroy this city while you and your family are still in it because of Abraham. Because God honored Abraham's prayers. Listen, pray for the people you love. Pray for the people you love. The prayers send the power of God and angels. And so eventually, they just end, the angels end up dragging Lot and his family out by the hand. And then they say, flee for your lives. You're on your own now. Which, of course, Lot's story didn't go so well. Why? Because Lot's heart was not right towards God. But we see that simultaneously, they protected and brought judgment. They, they destroyed that city in a moment. In Revelation, we see the same thing. These angels control the weather. Do you ever think about angels controlling the weather? Look at this. It says, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, the whole earth, holding back the four winds so they didn't blow on the earth or the sea or even on any trees. He was like, God said, make those angels, tell the angels, make it perfectly still. Now, the worst hell on earth is about to break out. But right now, the angels are holding it all back. I saw another angel coming up from the east carrying the seal of the living God. And he shouted to the four angels that are holding the weather back, who had the power to harm the land and the sea. He said, wait, don't harm the land or the sea or the trees until we place the seal of God on the foreheads of the servants of God. We get a seal that lets the spirit realm know, and I'll talk about this more next week, it lets the spirit realm know, sealed, belongs to God, get back, don't touch it. It's a protection. I mean, look at this though, look at the power of the angels to both bring destruction. So there are death angels that belong to God. We see it in Exodus 12, angels were sent and they killed all the firstborn in Egypt, dead. There's an extraordinary story. There, this is both in Isaiah and in 2 Kings, same exact verse. So God mentions it twice because I think it's a pretty powerful story. But it says there, there was an army coming against Israel. And that night, and there was no way Israel could beat this army. It was impossible. Again, a possible situation. One angel is sent out. He kills 185,000 enemy soldiers. One angel kills a death angel. A death angel sent by God to deal with, with evil to protect the righteous. We see another death angel 
This time, 70,000 people died. And the angel was preparing to destroy Jerusalem. And the Lord said, stop. Don't go any further. That was God's angel sent to kill. So angels are like, first of all, they're very serious. But second of all, to understand that they bring about justice. And, and God, sometimes we just feel like there's no justice. Sometimes we just think that things are, people are getting away. But just give God a chance. Give it time. We see these scriptures. Um, it says, Psalm 78, 49. He let loose on them his burning anger, wrath, indignation, and distress, a company of destroying angels. That's what God sent, destroying angels. Hebrews 2, 2, for the message of God delivered through angels has always stood firm and every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished by the angels. Then we have 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 8, and God will provide rest for you who are being persecuted. This is a blessing to us. And also for us, when the Lord Jesus appears from heaven, he will come with his mighty angels, flaming fire, heat again, bringing judgment on those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, you want to be on the right side of angels. <laughs> you just don't. You want to be on the right side of God, but he is there. He is there. He's, they are his enforcers. And, and you also want to pray for those that you love who aren't. So I just want to go through as cl in closing, Jesus walk with angels. Because if you want an example, because Jesus is our example, look how much angels were involved. First, angels show up to his cousin's father, says, hey, you're about to have a son that'll be a cousin of the Messiah. Then angels show up to Mary, you're about to have the Messiah. Then angels save Joseph and Mary's marriage protect that. Then thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels, the most extraordinary birth announcement in all of history, singing, praising, worshiping. But by the way, it says the shepherds were terrified. It's always that response, you know. Um, then we see that Satan comes to tempt Jesus and the angels ministered to Jesus. Here we see the devil went away after Jesus passed the temptation and the 40 days of fasting. And it says the angels came and took care of Jesus. Then in the Garden of Gethsemane, it says Jesus is praying, again, prayer. And it says, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. He surrenders. He prays and he surrenders. There's a theme between prayer and surrender and humbly obeying. Then, after that happened, an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. Angels are sent to strengthen even Jesus. I mean, even Jesus needed strengthening. Even Jesus needed encouragement when he passed a big test. Then, of course, we know angels showed up at the tomb. We know all about that. Then, angels, when Jesus is going into heaven, here we have Jesus, he's, he's going into heaven, the ascension, and it says, I love this scripture, Jesus is saying to his, to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and Samaria and Judea and all the ends of the earth. After he said this, he's taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They're looking intently into the sky as he was going and suddenly 
two men dressed in white, two angels stood beside them. And he gives them their final instruction. Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking in the sky? This Jesus who's been taken into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go. And guess how he comes back? With angels. He comes back for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, Michael, right? We know that. And with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Listen, this study of angels and the supernatural, it should encourage us. He is returning. Angels of God are sent to help us on the way. Listen, I just pray, I pray that what you get from this teaching, angels are among us. They're helping our children. They're creating love matches. They give us a hedge of protection. They guide us away from the wrong people. They guide us to the right people. They guide our steps. They tell us, move here, move there. They position us. They, they help our marriages. Every area that you can think of in life, you can see that angels are involved. You might have a prodigal like Lot. You pray. Your prayers send angels to the rescue. Listen, the power, and we see that both prayer and worship, which is one I didn't get to dwell on too much, but there's two things that angels you see over and over again enter into, and it's when we worship God, because the seraphim are always before him, as we saw, the worship of God and fervent prayer that is, that is combined with a humble heart of true obedience. And we don't see it. Listen, you don't see what's going on right now. Listen, there's stuff you're praying for. There's stuff I'm praying for. There's stuff we see that breaks our heart or, or shakes us up or makes us afraid. We've got to be aware of the unseen world. More, it's more real than this world. This world is passing away. This world is slowly dying. God tells us this world will eventually be gone. This earth will not last forever. God tells us that in Revelation. This is passing away. The world is dying. We are slowly dying. What's not dying is the invisible world that we do not see. The spirit realm is eternal. It's more real than this. It lasts forever. We've got to be aware of it. It'll help you be fearless. It'll help you understand that God will send the aid you need, even parenting advice, like Samson's parents. Trust God. Trust God. The power of angels in our life is incredible. So here's my last scripture. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on lions and cobras. You will trample great lions and serpents and nothing will hurt you. There's more to that, which is what we're going to talk about next week. Because as real as the spirit realm is with angels, it's just as real with demons. And we are called to take authority over that. We are called to deal with it. We are called not to live in denial of it. We are called not to live in fear of it. We, it is all through the scripture.
And this is a promise that, first of all, God will protect you, and second of all, that you will deal with those serpents and great lions, and, and you will crush them in the name of Jesus. So next week is about dealing with the, with the side of, of evil. This is the side of light. And, and here's the thing. We are walking in God's kingdom. God's kingdom we, is among us. God's kingdom is among us. And among us and all around us, for our children, for our marriages, for our nation, for the decisions we make, for everything about us, there is a spiritual battle raging. And there is a war between angels, and there is a war between demons, there is a war between heaven and hell and evil and what is good. And we are not supposed to be obsessed with demons or angels, we're not supposed to be obsessed, but we are supposed to be aware, and, and we are supposed to be interactive at times. And, and, but what we are supposed to be focused on is Jesus, his kingdom. When you focus on Jesus, you don't get in the ditches. If you've ever known anybody who's gotten super demon-focused or super angel-focused, they get wacky and they get hurt. And they hurt other people. So you got to know, you got to understand that the spirit realm is, God gives us a lot to know, but we don't know these things. I mean, how many of these things did you really know? You, you just don't hear it. we got to dig deep because we, we are supposed to be operating in the supernatural. I just, I just pray that spirit arising will raise up to interact in the spirit realm the way we were created to interact. That's where the power lies. Don't you see all the power in these angel stories? So I'm going to close this. Spirit of God, these angels are so fascinating to us, God. It just blows our mind. And, and Lord, that you created them, God, to assist us to further your kingdom, to protect, to guide in, in decisions and protect loved ones. And God, it's real. It's real. Thank you, God, for the spirit realm. Thank you, God, for opening our eyes to the things unseen, God. Open our eyes more and more, God, that we can be warriors, God, in the spirit realm. If we're in denial, if we're, if we're ignorant, God, it's very difficult to operate. So God, enlighten us to the truth of the power of the spirit realm and the role you want us to play to further your kingdom, God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.